Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and I'm excited about this Bible study today. It is a Bible study that is very, very relevant to those of us, you and I, who are living in the last days, in the end times. I know those two phrases are not heard that often anymore, except in certain circles that are looking for the soon coming of Jesus, that understand not only the signs without, but the signs within uh, the Christian church and the Christian faith that would indicate that the coming of the Lord is very, very near. We're going to be talking about enemies of the cross of Christ and out of Philippians three seventeen through 19. Uh, as we go into this third study, I want to make it very clear on the onset. When we see this term, enemies of the cross of Christ, we immediately, uh, and, and rightfully so, we think of, of the Madeline Murrays who, uh, who, who really uh, put forth atheism and, and had prayer taken out of school. We think, we think of of uh, communism, atheistic communism through Stalin and Marx. We think of of all of the forces without that are anti. Christian and anti-Christ and therefore enemies of the cross of Christ. But this is closer to home than any of these forces without. And I would say far more dangerous. Listen to me carefully. These are those who have have a testimony uh, of being Christian and followers of Christ, but in their very works and heart of hearts, they are anything but. Therefore, they become the enemies of the cross of Christ. And if you want to catch up, so we'll be on the same page on this teaching, you can go to our website. Of course, you know where that is. You're here today. And you can pick up uh, the first and the second installment of Enemies of the Cross. Today, we're going further in this message. But let's begin with our foundation scripture, Philippians three seventeen through 19. Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. I want to stop and say this. The scripture says, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. Scripture goes on to tell us not to be lords because of our position over God's heritage, but an example unto the flock. So we're told here once again, be followers of me and mark them which walk so as you have us, the apostles, for an example. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. One of the big mistakes that people are making today uh, is looking at a brother or sister in the Lord that is not following Jesus closely 
and and saying, well, they sing in the choir. They, they He preaches in a pulpit. She teaches Sunday school. They're doing all of these things and holding positions. Uh, I can do those same things and be truly a follower of Jesus. And the best analogy I know to explain what that is like is like going out into the ocean and looking at boats at either side of you and saying, you know, there's a boat to the left and a boat to the right and there's a boat uh, behind me. Uh, so I'm in proximity to all the other boats. That isn't the issue. The issue is how far have we drifted from the shore? We should be looking at how far we've drifted from the shore, not are there other boats drifting with us. It gets very, very personal. And this is the last day. And the Bible said that day, speaking of the Antichrist being revealed, the tribulation being ushered in, that day shall not come. And that man of perdition, therefore, shall not be revealed, except there come a falling away first. Listen, we, I believe uh, that this can be supported with, with all of the, the data that we have today concerning where Christianity was and where it is today in so many circles that we are in the beginning of the great falling away. And we got to make sure, brother and sister, that we don't get caught up in this outgoing tide that pulls us from the shore. Hallelujah. This is no time to be drifting, going along with the flow, going along with the crowd. This is a time to take a personal inventory and commit, if you're not committed, fully committed to following Jesus, to make that all-important commitment. You see, there's a reason for the devil sowing tares among the wheat. It's so that, spiritually speaking, that the wheat will not recognize how far personally we are drifting because of those to the right of us and to the left of us. You know, it has to, it has to get very personal. Jeremiah, Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, regardless of, of what choices are made by others. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, friend, I hope, I hope for you and your house, you can say the very same thing. It's dangerous out from under God's covering today, but there's safety and security under the shadow of his great wings. Praise God. All right. If you have your Bible opened and you have a pen and you want to write down this scripture, Matthew's gospel 13, 24 through 30, listen to the enemy's strategy to cause us to feel comfortable while drifting away. Listen, another parable he put forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I want to stop and say tares for all practical purposes grow up and look like wheat, but they do not bear any fruit. They look like wheat, but they do not bear any fruit. You know, Titus 1 and verse 16 says this, and it's very strong. Listen to it carefully. They profess 
that they know God, but in works they deny him, being unto every good work abominable and reprobate. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. This is not working your way to heaven or salvation by works. No, this is works that indicate that true salvation has occurred. There has to be a change if Jesus really becomes the Lord of your life. Praise God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, the scripture declares. Old things are passed away. We're not sinlessly perfect, but we have, we are perfectly bent toward righteousness. We have a new, new heart to do right, to please God, to not follow the morals and the mores of this world and this culture, but to be true followers of Jesus Christ, even if it involves the necessity of self-denial, the necessity of taking up our cross. We're not enemies of the cross. We do not run from the cross. We run to the cross. We embrace the cross. Hallelujah. And because of that, we are, we, the, the world is crucified to us because we are crucified to this world. Listen to verse 26. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said unto him, Sir, did not you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. At the end, at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Oh, friend, there is a payday coming. There is a payday coming. You see, Jesus told this story to point out that there are people in the church who have infiltrated their ranks. While there is wheat, there is also, where there is wheat, there's also tares. We don't know who is who necessarily. You will find them sitting side by side in a pew, breathing the same air, singing the same, same hymns and songs. One may be a believer while the other may be an unbeliever. One may be wheat while the other may be a tear. We will always have people who infiltrate our ranks. The Ananiases and the Sapphiras and the Judas Iscariots. The satanic plants that undermine the word of God. But it is not our job to weed those people out. We don't see a person's heart. Our concern should not be who the hypocrites are. Sometimes it's obvious, I agree, but that's not our focus. But whether we... Are hypocrites ourselves. Our job is to take care of ourselves, to take heed and make sure that we are true believers, that we're not fronting, hallelujah, that, that, that we are genuine and we are real. God is a, is a lover of truth and he desires and seeks truth in the inward parts. And the only way we can truly worship him is to worship him in spirit and in 
truth. That's what this is talking about. Let me give you some characteristics of tares to make sure you're not one, (laughs) to make sure I'm not one. Number one, they have a desire to be saved from the consequence of sin, its punishment, but not from sin's power over them. I want to say that again loud and clear. They have a desire to be saved from the consequence of sin, its punishment, but not from sin's power over them. Second Timothy 3, 5 through 7, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They have no aversion to sin, you see. They are not convicted enough to repent and seek deliverance. They reveal clearly to us that those who live undisciplined lives and who do their own thing and set their own standards for life also continue to carry beliefs of a form of godliness. Form is is literally a mere appearance that has no relation to reality. It's an outward form. It's an outward appearance. Uh, To make pretense, one translation says, to maintain a facade, according to Philip's translation. Godliness, however, has to do with the way we live. It impacts and changes our lives. As the word godliness implies, it has to do with holiness, to living like God and to living pleasing to God. Yet we see from scriptures quoted above that people will fall into a habit of living ungodly lives, yet the same time continue to hold to a form of godliness. A form of godliness does not alter the way a person lives. It allows them to do whatever they want to do, to set their own standards and yet proclaim that it is acceptable unto God and is therefore godly. What they believe and do. This is the big deception in religion today, and particularly the Christian faith. It allows standards that God disapproves of, yet seeks to convince that it is in fact acceptable. The religious world has no serious convictions about passing their legislation that encourages people to live in direct rebellion to scriptures. Whole denominations are turning from the truth and the standard, therefore, that God's word has set to go along with the culture, to just go with the flow, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the power to change us from the inside out, something called spiritual regeneration in the scriptures. Hallelujah. Conversion is a word that's not used. We don't need to be converted. We can stay the same person serving the same old master and still go to church and hold offices and go through all the motions, including Holy Communion. 
Oh, what a day of deception this is, and what a need there is to not look to the right or the left, but to look back at the shore, to see Jesus beckoning us, you and me, to come closer to Him, to take up our cross, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him more closely now than ever. I read from Titus one I'm going to read it again. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and to every good work reprobate. Number two, this is the second sign. They desire Jesus as a priest to pardon sin, but not as a king to rule over them. I want to say that again. They desire Jesus as a priest to pardon sin, but not a king to rule over them. Luke 6:46 Jesus says, "And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" I don't I I'm going to say something here very clearly. Many times in scripture you will find the term Lord and Savior. We've got it backwards. We've got a Savior, and then we decide to what, if any degree, that He will be the Lord of our life. And they, these people, listen, are forgetful hearers, not doers of the word. They want Jesus to forgive their sin, but reject His right to rule, His lordship. They have never bowed, never surrendered their will. They will be swept away by the flood of wickedness and the rising tide of rebellion that marks the last days. Matthew's Gospel 20, or, or the Gospel uh, says very clearly in the New Covenant that the sign of His coming would involve uh, this falling away. The sign of His coming would involve many false prophets going out into the earth, deceiving many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. Let's, let's read this, this very important warning in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, 47 through 49. It said, Whoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you who he is like. He's like a man who built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, built a house upon the earth or the sand against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Oh, friend of mine, today we need to make sure that we have digged deep, and we have laid our foundation on the solid rock of Jesus truly, not just being Lord of all, but Lord of us. Praise God. Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. 
You see, when the works deny what the profession is, when we live in sin and rebellion, but claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become those tares that are among the wheat. And friend of mine, it's vitally important today. If you find yourself fitting the profile of a tear, you need to get saved. I'm not going to mince words about it. For years I have, I have preached and I have taught about rekindling the fire of the first love. But I am finding as time goes on after 45 years as a pastor evangelist. uh, Listen, friend, there are many, many people that have never fallen in love with the Lord because they have never truly accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And because of that, they don't need the first love rekindled. They need it kindled to begin with. Oh, friend, today, I love the Lord now more than I've ever loved Him in all of my life. I don't want to be part of those that are drifting, but I want to be part of those that are drawing nigh to God. If you get an opportunity to listen to the sermon series that is being put on our website right now, Drawing Nigh to the Most High, it's not just a a cute little message with a cute little rhyming title. It is a vital message for people living in the end times, because outside of his covering, we are vulnerable to the enemy, and he came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. The third uh, and and very telling uh, uh, profile of tares is that they desire blessings from Christ, but not a relationship with Him. Blessings from Jesus, but not a relationship with Him. First John 1 and verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The Greek word here is koinonia, and it always involves intimacy between two people. Christ seeks a fellowship, relationship with His people. The materialistic church at Laodicea had no interest in communion with Christ. They said, we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And listen to what Jesus said. And and remember, once again, this is a church, an established church that had a form of godliness, denying its power. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Praise God. Amen. This is, this is brought forward once again in John's gospel, chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. Listen to it. Jesus once again speaking. Verily, verily, or surely, surely, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, The same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. 
And when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. You see, sheep have a close relationship with their shepherd. They know his voice, and they follow him. They bow to no other. They follow no other. And today, it is vitally important, dear friend, that we recognize and not judge ourselves by what we see happening around us, but we set Jesus as our standard. Oh, friend, I don't want to be drifting, going with the flow. I've watched it happen with with my heart breaking and aching to watch it occur. I've watched the, the love waxing cold. And when people truly do not love the Lord, they have no heart to obey, no reason to obey, no reason to want to be pleasing to Him. They, they are, are, are taken back by the message of self-denial. And they embrace the message of self-indulgence. They want a God who will give them everything their flesh desires. And heaven too. And friend of mine, that is not the way salvation is offered in the scripture. The Bible said we can't serve two masters. We will love one and hate the other. Or we will hate one and love the other. You can't serve God and mammon, speaking of material wealth. Listen, you can serve God with mammon. And thank God for those of you that, that sow into ministries that are standing true when there's so much compromise in this day. Friend of mine, you're sowing into something eternal. And there will be an eternal return, not just, not just in all the souls that are reached with the gospel, but in your personal life because you won't be one of those that's just going with the flow living for self-serving selfish reasons but you will find that you're living a selfless life and you'll find that it's better to give than it is to receive because when your flesh is not in control but your spirit there's a fulfillment beyond anything that the flesh could ever possibly experience. Hallelujah. And I'm so grateful that everyone is not falling away. I'm so glad for the righteous remnant today. Those that have not bowed their knees to Baal and will not. I'm glad for the preachers in pulpits today that will stand up and declare the truth of the gospel without apology. will declare what the Bible has to say. And will challenge believers to draw near to God and not drift away in this very, very crucial day that we are living in. I believe that God is speaking to somebody today by the Holy Spirit to come to Christ. To lay aside every hindrance, every excuse, every reason. You may have seen those that name the name of Christ that are living a hypocritical and sinful life. You said there's nothing to that. This is really not between you and them and him, friend. This is between you and him 
He lived the sinless life. He shed sinless blood in your behalf on the cross. And He beckons you, Come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me. Come and be forgiven. Come and be saved. Come and be kept in this very dangerous hour that we're living. So come to Jesus today. And if you're a Christian today, come to Jesus as well. Come and dwell under the shadow of His wing. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow Him and find the joy of spiritual peace, spiritual joy, spiritual fulfillment that transcends anything this old world could ever offer and be a living, breathing witness of the greatness and the goodness of our King. And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.